everybody. Welcome to the Poetry Space. I'm Katie Dozier and Timothy Green is going to be with us momentarily. I think we were trying to figure out the whole co-host thing. Wanted him to be as a co-host, um, but it looks like we're going to try this again because I think it's fair. He acts like a co-host. He should get treatment as a co-host, I think is fair. We'll see what he winds up being. He looks like, looks like Tim, you're a speaker again, but you're a co-host in spirit. The V. I'll invite you again. We'll try again. Okay. <laughs> it seems fair. Didn't co-host invite. All right, we're going to see if it will allow you. So hi, everybody. It's great to see you all, all feeling like prompt. I feel like I'm really excited to see this many people in this space to begin with. So how are you doing today, Tim? I'm doing great. I think I'm still a speaker, but oh, well. But yeah, I'm doing great. It's really cold here in the mountains of Southern California. So I have two drinks. I got a tea going right here and I got a coffee as well. How about you? I actually over-caffeinated today, so I switched myself to chamomile calm for the sake of the space. I feel like it's a necessary sacrifice. A little much on the caffeine front today, but I think it'll even out as, as the space gets into it. So I'm really happy to be here and be talking about this issue. It's interesting to be holding rattle number 80 in my hand that has NFT poems in it. It feels like such a huge milestone for everyone in this space, and I want to start out him first for thanking you for deciding to do a tribute section in Rattle on on our space, which is more than just the poetry space today. Yeah, well, it was really uh, something that, you know, at Rattle, I'm always curious about what uh, what the next thing might be, what we might be able to find that I don't know anything about. And uh, that's what this was. So it was really cool to be able to explore it over the last year and uh, learn a whole bunch about NFT poetry with everybody. Um, do you want me to do my, my opening poem? Yeah, I definitely do. Please do your opening poem that is so apt that I can't believe you wrote it before I met you. Yeah, this was a, I wrote it as a, uh, as a Saiku for one of Rattle's uh, Rattlecast back in, I think the first week of April, 2022. And it was based on a, a news article or science article about how um, we're, we're less likely to think things are unethical if they might come true in the future. And I was thinking about that, and I think, is it okay to say shitcoin? I think there's a shitcoin craze going on at the time that I saw in the news, too. So it combined with that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's okay. So, uh, we, we approve. Yeah. So there's a shitcoin craze. I, I can't remember which one it was, but um, it was in the news. And so um, so I combined it with that this article, thinking about how um, you know people don't think they're just pumping and dumping. If they think the price might be going up in the future, it is good advice. Anyway, this was the haiku I came up with. Early spring, another craze of tulips, buying crypto. And that ended up being my uh, first NFT poem later uh, in January of this year, too. So the kind of full circle way around that one. And what was funny about that, and I don't know if I've ever even told you this before, Tim, but I saw that and I thought, hmm, maybe he wouldn't be adverse to hearing more about NFT poetry if he's writing about crypto. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny too because uh, that that haiku, you know, haiku is supposed to have sort of uh, double meanings and and blending things together. And I I, li- I really like the way that turned out because um, you know it's referring back to the tulip craze from uh, the Netherlands in the 1600s. But um, <laughs> but also it could be uh, rushing off to buy crypto while it's low, right? So I think it uh, works out well. That's how I interpreted it. I think everybody looks at that and sees what they want to see, but that seems to be kind of the state of the world these days. But do you want to explain, too, kind of this, the general thought process behind how you do tribute sections within Rattle, and then also for people who aren't as, as knowledgeable about Rattle itself, just quite how big it is? 
if you don't mind bragging on it for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, what we do at Rattle always is for, we're at 80 issues now. And um, we um, always have a theme section in every issue. And that theme is just something that's interesting. We want to bring together poets that have a certain thing in common, that are doing something or come from a certain place or per certain perspective. So we've had all sorts of things from nurse poets to, um, you know, different careers like that, service workers, things like that, which are always fun. Uh, we've had sonneteers for people who write sonnets. We've had, um, you know, haiku poets, all sorts of things like that. Poets in prison, actually two issues of poets writing in prison. Um, so we've always done things like that. And um, what we always do is just put out a call for submissions and see what comes in and try to come up with the best representative sample of what the submissions are. And so this uh, NFC poetry issue is the same as everything else, except a few differences because it is a uh, crypto poetry. Um, so uh, it, it, there were, you know, the, the submissions were just include a link to your uh, NFT. So the poems had already have been minted in order to be submitted. And then that also let uh, some opportunity out too, because one of the things that's really interesting with, with uh, this way of this idea of curating instead of publishing being the focus is that you could look through at, at different poets and what they're doing and sort of hunt for poems as well. So I solicited more than I usually do. I usually wouldn't solicit for an issue like this, but uh, there were a few people who, um, you know, that, that we didn't have the certain poems in that style enough that I, that I wanted to include too. And so we, we looked for some as well. So it was a, so yeah. No, go ahead, Wookie. So is it, oh, I was going to say, so you aim to give like a representative sample. And then of course, within the issue two, you have a conversation, which is kind of a deep dive, not an interview really, because it's much more of an up and back, which makes it way more fascinating to read. And of course, this issue is with Sasha, Sasha Stiles. So we're really looking forward to, if you guys haven't read that yet, it's fascinating. And then of course, she's going to be on the Rattlecast, right? On June 24th, I believe. Also. Yeah, she'll be the guest there. We also have a NFT poetry issue of the or episode of the Rattlecast on July 3rd. And then um, I think Anna's going to be on, um, Anna Caballero will be on two later in the year. So we have a few uh, NFT based issues or episodes coming up of that. And, and yeah, so we interview a poet for every issue too. It's, it's just the, whoever I think is the most interesting to talk to out of either the people who submitted or just whoever's in that category. And so Sasha's doing such interesting and unusual work that it's really fun to talk about, especially with AI becoming more prominent in the national discourse since we start, set this issue up. So, um, so I picked Sasha to interview and she was just so fun to talk to. There's so much to explore with her work. Yeah, there definitely is. And I'm excited that she's going to be on the Rattlecast too, because I want to hear more. So Let's talk about now that everybody kind of has an idea, I think generally how you as the editor of Rattle go about the process. So do you want to talk a little bit about how this particular issue <laughs> came to be? Well, it is all uh, Katie Dozier right there. Uh, you submitted a poem for Poets Respond. I think if, you, if I have your history right, you decided to really dive into getting published and getting your work out last spring. And so one of the things you wanted to do was get into Poets Respond because it was such an easy uh, you know, you could submit yeah. as many poems as you wanted every year. So you had a plan to submit poems, uh, you know, multiple poems a week until you got into Poetry Respond. But the very first time you submitted, I think, in the first week of June, so exactly a year ago, was that poem Transitory about inflation. And I, uh, I thought, wow, a poem about inflation and it was touching and had your daughter Lizzie in there. And um, so I published that, had no idea who you were, of course. And um, but then I saw your bio and your link to the NFT Poetry Gallery. And uh, I thought, well, that's interesting. What is this NFT poetry stuff? I had heard about it a little bit 
Um, we talked about this on the uh, episode about your introduction to NFTs, uh, an early episode of the uh, the poetry space. But I knew about about crypto and was into it or interested in it from very from the beginning. But as in terms of like cybersecurity um, and election integrity, which I was all, I was interested in at the time. And then I didn't really think much about it except for you know people asking me if we should buy if people should buy bitcoins <laughs> like that. But um, it, but I did know about uh, John Pock's uh, Ether Poems project, which I'd found out about a year maybe before um, I met you, or maybe six months. So there was a talk about that, um, and a few people that were doing that with him. So I knew it was kind of on my radar in the back of my head that there was something maybe interesting going on there. But then when I saw you were running the NFT Poetry Gallery. I started talking to you about what that was, and yeah, you quickly talked me into doing an NFT poetry issue because uh, I'm always looking for things to do. And uh, so I think the very next episode of the Rattlecast, you came on to introduce the uh, deadline for it as a part of that show. Yeah, that was funny. It was like a year ago, and I don't go into anything half-heartedly. So yeah, I was determined to get published by you. It just happened. It was really smart that you did it early so that we could just get that out of the way so you don't have to read well, now you have to read my poems anyway, I guess. But, <laughs> but I was going to submit a million poems because, uh, you know, Poets Respond is a really cool thing. If you guys are just looking for more traditional poetry avenues to go ahead and submit to, it's, it's really cool how uh, you guys at Rattle take, you know, a poem that's written that week about the news and then publish it. Because one of the things I'm most excited about with NFT poetry is its ability to be immediate, you know, to be able to have our poems shared right away if we so choose. And so it's cool that with Rattle, you're doing that as much as really can be possible for a traditional medium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Poetry Spun is a great outlet, but so are NFTs. We just try to explore any avenue where poetry is doing something interesting. And so there was a sense that this might be interesting, but we've had, um, you know, Instagram poets before we've had, you know, all sorts of things like that. We had a tribute to slam way back in 2006 before anybody was taking performance poetry seriously. Um, and, and so we always are trying to explore different things and see, see what's up and NFTs have a lot of opportunity. We've talked about this in previous episodes. I don't know how much you want to rehash that, but NFTs have a, the potential to change the way we think about publishing. And so it's worth exploring for sure. And then you found this great community of people who were really interested in, in creativity and, and seeing where they can push themselves and, and seeing where poetry can go. So it's a fascinating kind of group of people with a lot of support amongst each other. And it was really nice to find. Yeah, I think that, you know, as a community, we are just super strong. We're so strong, in fact. We can take credit for having onboarded you into becoming an NFT poet because you actually now we can say you're an NFT poet. I don't know how many groups and how many tributes have pulled you completely to their side, but last time I checked, you're an NFT poet, Timothy. Yeah, well, you know, I always wanted to be a slam poet after our slam issue, but I never got a chance to. So now I get to be an NFT poet. I guess I have a few NFTs out and and, and plan to be more with it too. It's definitely something that can really push push poetry into a new realm of a new economy basically and so you know we keep our fingers crossed that it works but we'll see yeah and the, and the way i see this which it really is i meant to get into this in our space that we did recently about the beat generation but i really see all my friends in nft poetry as being the next iteration of the beat generation i think that we are you know counterculture to the extreme which is part of why i love our group so much and that we are doing things that are revolutionary in the same way that what they were doing was revolutionary and were controversial and pushing the boundaries in different ways. You know, that's like, you know, 60 years on, we're, we're here doing it. So I'm excited to hear everybody's poems. And, you know, I've read everyone's poem in this issue about 30 times. 
Uh, so I'm really excited to get to look at some of these poems. Yeah, I should say too, you know, we had to pick, uh, I, I set it on 12 poems for this issue because, um, you know, printing in color is pretty expensive. It costs about $1,000 extra in our run for every eight pages we do. That's kind of the math of it. So I decided on 24 is the cat for page length. And then it ended up being about 12 poets. So I knew we'd have a dozen, but there were so much more, you know, there are other people I wish were included and, and how I should say how we do it. Cause since I have, you know, relationships with some people here, um, every time I know the person and, and, you know, I pitch the poems to, um, to Alan and Megan, who are the other editors at rattle. And if I know who it is, I just refrain and, and abstain and don't vote and don't talk about it much and let them pick the poems. So basically how this worked is Katie gathered up people who she thought was interesting. I went through all the submissions and pulled out the ones that were most interesting. Then I just took them to um, that editorial meeting and, and it wasn't even me that picked the 12 poems really. It was uh, at Allen mostly. Yeah, and it's fair to say that it was close for a lot of the people I think too, even in this room that, you know, that aren't directly in the issue, but that hopefully they still feel represented in the space by this group. And of course, you guys know me, I wish like I would create like an issue that would like lose $50,000, but have every single poem. <laughs> it would be what I do. So that's probably a good thing. I'm not a poetry editor or publisher. Yeah, it's totally true. And so like one of the poets I wished got in was Cries, and then we ended up having a chance to use his cover. So it kind of all worked out in ways like that. Um, but, but there were a bunch of, there were several poems that I really wish, uh, I'd gotten in the issue, but we just didn't have room. And, and by virtue of the way we function, if, um, you know, I don't push for people if I know who they are. And so that's always been the policy at Rattle because we really try to be as egalitarian and, and open and not biased as we can. And so that's always a, a fundamental principle. Which is probably part of the reason that you're able to see the potential of NFT poetry instead of seeing it as a threat, like I think a lot of editors sadly uh, kind of do at this point. So you gave us a great segue to go ahead and first talk about the cover. So Mark Fitzpatrick cries in the audience or up as a speaker created this cover that I think if you guys have not seen it, I'll go ahead and pin it to the space. Um, Tim, do you want to talk a little bit about it before we turn it over to Mark? Yeah, well, I was looking for, um, you know, something that wasn't NFT to use as a cover. And we had a lot of examples and, and things that we pitched. And I always make up a bunch of mock covers in the same process. Like I make stuff up and then uh, pitch it to the other editors and then and then let them pick. So it's not not me being involved in it completely. And uh, I just love this one. And, and I love the project that uh, Mark's doing with that. Uh, you know, the, the charity project that he's put together for suicide prevention, selling these uh, NFTs in the series for that purpose. And it's beautiful. And I also, uh, we'd already picked the uh, Young Poets Anthology cover, which is being mailed with it. So if you're new to Rattle, we have a chapbook with every issue. So there's four chapbooks that come along every, uh, every year with the four issues. And the summer is always the Rattle Young Poets Anthology. And we'd already picked the cover of the Young Poets Anthology before the NFT issue. And it was a, um, a sort of girl... Is she surfing or is she on a boat? I can't remember, but she's sort of riding the waves on the ocean. And uh, and so I love the the way that this fit with that. And then it's just beautiful as well, just the way the, way the colors were represented, the big wave. And symbolically, you know, the, the technology that we're seeing come up is sort of a big wave that's coming and, and you can either ride it or you can not. And I think the young people are going to be riding it and maybe the older people are going to be buried in the surf. So I thought it was a good analogy too. Yeah, we're all up on that board aren't we? Yeah, I like to think <laughs> so. Think or at least trying, trying to stay on our feet. 
Yeah, I, I grew up mainly in Cocoa Beach, so I have no excuse, guys. I should be like a pro surfer. I went to the same high school as Kelly Slater. I have no excuse. But <laughs> All right. So, Mark, we'd love to hear a little bit more about the process. If anybody didn't see this awesome tweet thread that Mark made about how he went through, I think it's a great example of how much you can put into AI art, too. So, Mark, I'm really happy that yours was chosen for the cover, and it looks beautiful. Yeah, it's such an honor. I'm so grateful to be a part of this, I guess, um, introduction party of NFT poetry, I guess, to the, the wider poetic world. It's just uh, such a cool thing uh, to be involved in. There's so many poets in this issue that I look up to um, just as a practicing poet. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, such a thrill. And it's, um, it is a piece of AI art for those that uh, might not know. And I have had quite a few comments uh, about the piece that people were thinking I, I did a watercolor painting and then took photographs and then maybe scanned it and uploaded it. But um, it is AI through and through, which is um, it's a, a tool that I've really fallen in love with over the past few years. At first, I had used it as a kind of a poetic assistant and helping me um, brainstorm, you know, turns of phrase and in voices that I liked just to kind of use as, as prompts or jumping off points for poetry. And then um, that evolved into just going kind of um, neck deep into uh, visual uh, image generators like mid journey and Dali and, and kind of the usual suspects. So this, this particular, um, although I guess as, as an aside, I don't know if I, if I knew then how how hard AI tools were going to be to use, um, I don't know if I would have jumped in with both feet um, so hard. But uh, it's like on one hand, it's very addicting. It's just you know the hours just fly by when you're when you're kind of tweaking and curating prompts and images, and it just it's it's a very a very time intensive tool, um, which is kind of ironically the knock against uh, AI image generation is that it's very easy you can pump out volumes of this stuff and you know it's it's one of those things it's just a you know any monkey can use it <laughs> not saying i'm not a monkey at heart but you know uh so it's it's one of those um things that was just a lot more difficult in practice than i was uh, expecting but just the re it was so rewarding um this this particular uh series of the circles of liberation series uh, i wanted to produce an effect of of um, it felt like you were uh, in the presence of something from the real world, like very textural. So uh, if you look very closely, like there's a, a canvas texture in the background. It's, you know, I was maxing out all the um, megapixel high definition settings and trying to finesse these tools into giving me a, a super high resolution image. So even if you blew it up and had it printed out, it would look very much like a, um, a watercolor painting. But I, I just love the the idea of um, something that was made by technology but represented something from the real world, that paradox and kind of holding that in mind along with kind of the Zen influence of of these these circles, these Enso as they're uh, more traditionally kind of called, like these these are modern versions of that style. I love that whole kind of of concept and then I wrote these these titles for each one that were kind of these mini koans, which are those kind of famous, you know, what's the sound of one hand clapping type of um, 
don't know if you'd call them poems, but these Zen riddles. And I used those as kind of the text prompt to generate the Enso. Um, and then many hours later, came up with 30 that I, I really loved. And um, so in, in that one uh, that Tim picked for the cover, this wave fixation, it's called, um, is one that was just a very happy accident that then kind of snowballed into this particular image, which is one also one of the great things about working with AI is that it's it comes up with these images that you have a vision, you get a few things back, and then you often get this really wonderful surprise that takes you down another rabbit hole, which which wave fixation certainly uh, fit that bill. And then, of course, um, I minted them, and then um, all of the proceeds for the sales of these pieces are going to the Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention. And um, so far, we've sold 12, and it's uh, been just a thrill getting to know the collectors directly because it's all on chain, of course. So I get to know who's collecting it, and um, and then all the donations have been done on chain. So it's uh, very much um, um, uh, NFT native um, and blockchain native uh, collection and um, result that I'm going for in terms of using all these tools. So yeah, I'm just very grateful, and, and thanks both to Tim and Katie for for getting me on the on the cover. It was um, just you know a thrill of a lifetime. I'll I'll be telling my grandkids about it for sure. Yeah, well, it's great to have you on there, and and I just I love the art. And both symbolically and, and also what it means in a lot of ways too. That is AI too, I think was really fun. We we talked about this on a, on a previous space too, but this use of AI, you know, is similar to, you know, 150 years ago when everybody was starting to use uh, cameras or worrying about cameras and, and uh, you know, our photographs really art if you're just taking a picture, but then so much art goes into it, so much work goes into it. And we sort of learn and people at the cutting edge of using things like photography or then later digital instead of instead of uh, film, you know, and so there's all these ways we go about moving forward through technology and using it into incorporating it in art, which is really the fundamental voice of the human spirit or something. And so it's great to have, you know, that functioning on that level for the cover, too. Yeah, I also I just love how it kind of takes, you know, some common criticisms of A.I., and just crypto art in general and turns it on its head in terms of the fact that, you know, this is, it looks like a watercolor. Like I'm sure there are people who are going to be like, oh, this is a beautiful watercolor. Just that somebody painted, I'm going to open rattle and look and see, and then be like, wait, it's AI. What? You know, they're going to be shocked by that. And then furthermore, you know, you're doing this for charity and I love it. That's why I bought one of the pieces, to be honest, not to turn this into a buy fest for circles of liberation, but it's kind of tempting to just go ahead and do that. But I love this cover and I'm really pleased that the book that's going to be sitting on my desk for like the next 2000 years is your cover Christ. So that's really awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Great. Well, I think now we should go ahead and start getting into some of the wonderful poems that are in this issue. And I don't have a particular order, but for me, at least in my space, Sarah Ridgely is showing up. First, so Sarah, we would love to hear about your piece that is in this issue and how it's, you know, definitely a unique piece and different than some of the other text-based poems that are in this issue of Rattle. Hi, thanks. Um, yeah, it's just really exciting to uh, have my poem published in Rattle. It's really been a dream come true, and I'm so excited about this and being here uh, today with y'all. Um, a little bit about me. Uh, I'm a generative artist, so I'm a self-taught coder, and I've been working with generative art for about five or six years now. Um, 
Before that, I was an attorney and a printmaker. Uh, I do letterpress and risograph printing um, and actually found my way into creative coding when I was working on my website for my print work. Um, and I had always found it kind of difficult to express myself with traditional mediums like drawing or painting. I just didn't really have that hand coordination and skill set to excel with drawing. Um, so when I found creative coding, it was this really exciting moment for me. Um, it just opened up all these new possibilities that I didn't know were out there. Um, and it's been a really interesting journey just, you know, to have this medium, this new medium really that I connect with and that works well for the way that I kind of personally think and approach art. So in my own work, I like to um, kind of find the boundaries between the computer and the human hand. It's always important to, to me to, to soften those hard edges and the perfection of the computer into something that kind of reflects, you know, my own humanness. So when I look at an idea, I think about, you know, how can I describe this idea in code? How can the computer and I work together to create something that really reflects both of our inputs? Um, so for my writing algorithm, um, when I first started working on this, I was actually trying to recreate my own handwriting with code. Uh, but that was actually really hard uh, to build out all of those letters. Um, so then I just started generating these kind of random letter-esque shapes. And and I was researching that, and that led me into a simic writing uh, that I wasn't familiar with before. But it was just fascinating, you know, this idea that you remove the reading element or the semantics from the writing. And then, you know, the viewing experience kind of changes from a reading to this more you know, visual active experience where the viewer, you know, is integral to the creation of meaning from the work. So I just, I love that ambiguity and how important your own personal experiences are for you to connect with it and to, you know, what you see and to interpret that. Uh, my poem uh, for this, for the magazine um, is called Midnight Confession. And I can't, you know, I can't really read it because it's an asymic writing, but it's the uh, first poem in a series of four that I did um, that was called The Lover's Case. I did that with the verse first, um, I think in 2021. And for the poems in the series, I kind of incorporated this symbology with it, with these black roses and kind of thinking about what does that mean to you and how does that change your interpretation of what the writer might be trying to say. It's kind of this idea of the symbology and dialogue with the meaningless. And I really think of the writer as being the computer. Um, you know, I create a set of rules for this language, but the computer uses this randomness and activates those rules and creates the poetic lines. Um, so I, I do spend a lot of time working on mm, the poetic elements of the writing, working on things like repetition and, and, and trying to ensure that it has that cadence of poetry that will come through in the work. Um, I really feel like generative asymic poetry is kind of an exploration of, you know, these characteristics and structures of writing and what would make you recognize something as writing or potentially having this meaning, you know, as opposed to just being scribbling, because I want you to feel like the computer is trying to say something to you. So, and I also really um, love the way that it, it transcends language. So it's not really just limited to one written alphabet, but a speaker of any language could really connect to the work. So, and there's a picture of it. You can see the um, Midnight Confession and yeah. Yeah, I just uh, wanna add, there's, there's this one of the, first of all, this is one of the ones that was solicited. So I, um, we didn't have any asymic writing in the issue 
And I knew that a few people were doing this kind of thing. So I wanted that represented a little bit. And then uh, I just love this piece so much because it, it, especially the topic too, you can feel that it's like a love letter, even though um, you can't read it, of course. And then, and then there's that sense of like longing that comes with love so that it pulls through the piece too. Like there's a longing to understand what's there which is kind of something like unrequited love is or something. And so there's a really great way that the, the piece itself in particular has a, has a like a extra layers in addition to um, just the, the feeling around for language too, which is interesting on in its own. So I really love this piece and I'm glad we could include it. Thanks for sharing it with us there. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, there are a lot of layers in that with what, what emotions, you know, do you feel? Cause sometimes I'll look at it and I think, oh, you know, he's he's sad because, or she, the writer is unhappy because of this and this. And I'm like, maybe, maybe they're finally found their love. You know, I just like how you how you feel at the moment just changes what you see. Yeah, it is so fascinating. And then that's really the most interesting thing about um, ascetic writing is that it, it, it reveals how much you, in, in you know, how much the subjectivity of what you're witnessing has to do with you. Like, you know, it's like the way that sometimes you'll love a movie and it's just because you're in a good mood that day and then you'll watch it you know, some other time. You're like, why did, did I like this movie? You know, so that, that kind of thing, how you interpret what you're experiencing comes through the filter of your, your psychology, uh, which is always changing and evolving. And so that, that's really shown and on display with this, this style of, of poetry. Yeah, I totally agree. It's a fascinating piece. Sarah, I really love just what you're doing in the space in general. And it's, you know, very different from the kind of stuff I do, which I love because I look at yours and it makes me think differently about what I can do in my own poetry, you know, and how I can try to look at things differently. And it always makes me think differently. I love staring at this poem. I have to say too, I have it out. And it's like the exact opposite of my own terrible handwriting that is not beautiful or inspiring in any way whatsoever too. So thanks again, Sarah. And then I think that next, let's go ahead and talk to Pierre Gervois, who we had the pleasure of meeting at NFT NYC at a really funky poetry reading held by Food Maskew that I will never, ever forget. And it was a great first time to go ahead and meet Pierre. So Pierre, hi, how are you doing? I'm doing very good, Cathy. Thank you so much for, for having me on this, uh, on this Twitter space. Well, it's so great that you could join us today. And I have to say, I just, I love how completely, like, I see an NFT poem and it's yours and I immediately know, you know, I immediately know. Yes, can you, can you please give me, like, literally 30 seconds? I need to uh, do something. I would, can you just give me, like, literally 30 seconds? Yeah, I'm, yes, we will give I, you 30 seconds. I'm, I'm going, going to, talk... to be back in 30 seconds. Okay. Well, I'm going to talk about how you have the coolest item of clothing that I've ever seen by mankind. I think you guys are probably familiar with this, how Pierre is the proud owner of a studded leather jacket that says Crypto Poet on the arm. So I'm <laughs> just waiting until Pierre decides to release this line of clothing so that I can also own this jacket, which is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, that that was a fun, that is a fun jacket and a fun time at that uh, food mask you party where uh, so many strange things were going on. Um, I should say this is another uh, poet that that we solicited. So uh, the first two are of the I think three poets in the issue, where um, you know it was uh, Katie who recommended. She had a list of po poets that she recommended, and uh, we pulled this up. And it was another one we really loved because of the way that the 
I don't know, the, the visual worked with the text, I think is a key for, for Pierre's work. And so it was really interesting and something I wanted to include in this issue. Um, yeah, so, we should yeah. say this is a gift also. I'm um, back. <laughs> right, Pierre, great. Sorry. No, no Sorry problem. about that. <laughs> no, that's great. Would you start by reading your poem for us? Would that yes, work? Yes, absolutely. So uh, the name of this poem is Income. I would have liked to have friends with the same income, plus or minus 2%. The same equally socially valued type of job, the same car category, the same moderately high professional expectations, the same upper middle class type of home in the same relatively affluent neighborhood. So we can cry together without any shame. Thank you for listening. Yeah, that's just yeah, a great I poem. Yeah, it is. I was just gonna say, I love, I mean, to me, it's another one of those pieces that, that the, the structure of the, the art really adds to the poem. And it feels like it combines so perfectly in a way. So if you're watching, if you're only looking at the issue of Rattle, it's a still, but it's a moving gif that has a sort of like distortion bars running through it. And it makes me think of, um, like, it's like some transmission from the subconscious or something. Like, that's how I kind of, you know, emotionally interpret it. And just the way it's presented adds so much to the content um, in, 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 you know, in addition to it and not just uh, working against it, which is, you know, with, with visual poetry, the issue is always that, like, how do you combine the two, the text and the, and the image in a way that adds instead of it's just sort of a distraction. And I think this is a, th these pieces just work so great on that level. Th th thank you, team. And what, what you're saying is, is very important. And I, I feel that the, the, the NFT technology is working as a catalyst. So different type of artists are using words. You have poets, but you have also a lot of uh, conceptual visual artists that have been incorporating text in their work. And these two uh, different category of artists so far have been pretty much separated. You had the visual conceptual artists that were shown in like a, a traditional visual art gallery setting. And you have the poets who were, whose work were presented in books. And now with this uh, NFT technology, we're blurring the distinction between uh, conceptual artists using text and poets. And maybe we're inventing a new category of art of we're blurring the definition between visual arts and poetry. Or maybe this distinction w didn't make sense in the first place. And the technology makes us realize that, well, visual arts or poetry were all artists and we can push the boundaries and invite musicians and performers and push together art. So that's why I'm extremely excited by this technology. Yeah, that's a really great way to put it. And that's something I thought about a lot in doing this NFT poetry issue is that, you know, we think of the technology as expanding what we can do, but we don't think of it the other way of how much our old technology was eliminating what we could do. And so I keep thinking about how much the shape of a poem on the page is due to the shape of a piece of paper stuck in a typewriter. You know, that's why we make the poems in the shapes that we do in, in mainstream yes. traditional poetry. And, uh, and, you know, having that unlocked um, isn't really, you know, adding something new. It's taking away a, a, a limitation of the old technology. If you want to think of it that way, it's just as accurate.
And also, I, I want to say how proud I am. This is the first time ever one of my works is published in print. So I just really want to thank you, team. This is just, I, am, I was so proud when I saw the print issue in my mailbox. So thank you for this. Oh, yeah, well, thank you. It's great to hear that. Yeah, thanks. I've got to ask, too, since I had the pleasure of meeting your wonderful son, what did he think seeing his dad's poem in <laughs> That's a good question. Thank you. So, well, I, I guess my kids are, are proud that, that I can show my art. Uh, I mean, they, they're not talking that much. I mean, they know that dad is an artist, is a poet, but we're not, I mean, we're not like, talking yet about the content of my art with them. I know they're super proud and I, I give to each of my son a copy of the rattle and I could see they were very proud. That, that's the most important. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Well, I could tell your son was super proud of you. So I'm going to answer on your son. <laughs> I knew that he was super proud of you. And it, uh, it's a great poem. It's wonderful to meet you in person. And congratulations on getting to see your work Thank in you. print. It's the, it's the first time for me, too, for the record also, so I can relate. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, team. And hi to all my fellow and friends poets that are here in this space. Oh, great. All right. So let's go ahead and go next. Let's see. Two. I've been, I'm just going again in the order that they're showing up to me. So next up, I have somebody else that I had the pleasure of first meeting with at NFT NYC, which is Devoid. Justin Tag is here with us, and he has a really interesting poem to to try to read that's in this issue too. So, hey, Justin, how are you doing today across the pond? Hey, Katie. Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. And yeah, I've been thinking about this for a while. How exactly do I read this one? I'm not sure. Um, I'll see if I can work my way <laughs> through it. Um, but I'm still waiting for the issue to arrive, obviously, because I'm uh, so so far away over in the UK. And so I'm very excited to see it. And I'm kind of jealous that everybody else has been able to see it. But I am I also wanted to say how genuinely excited and, and, and grateful I am to be published. This is the first time that I've had something uh, published in print. And the kind of hilarious irony of that is that the first time I've got something published in print and it's technically... Uh, not exactly language at all, so <laughs> that was quite funny. Um, so yeah, I, I do a lot of experimenting um, in the work that um, I put out. I like playing with tiny blocks of story, and I like, as Sarah mentioned, to create little rules. I like creative constraints and then kind of playing within them. So the piece that's in Rattle is from a collection called uh, Abstract Literism, which is a collection that I played with on a platform called Typed.Art. I don't know how many people in here have used that platform, but really um, is a very lovely and very, very simple pure text platform where you essentially just mint the text. There's nothing else that goes with it. But what I noticed on that platform was how many people were playing with really the alt symbols on a keyboard to create imagery with the writing. And uh, a lot of my work anyway features kind of squares and, and interplay between different shapes. Um, and I already had a collection of abstract pieces that were made from symbols that you could recreate in tweets. That was a different thing that I'd been working on. Um, and I just really got into this idea that you could tweet a work of abstract art, right? I like the idea that you could type um, some abstract art. So for this particular collection, 
it was an essentially all alt symbols of squares and i was playing with the form of these blocks spilling down the page in the way you might think of a poem being read downwards and thinking about how that the shape of it um, and the flow and the structure of those shapes could suggest a particular feeling or or sensation um alongside that i'm a big fan of easter eggs in art and literary works so that I grew up with video games and you get little things hidden there in the background. I like the idea of hiding those things within art as well. So for this particular piece, which is called Offset, I wrote a poem and then represented the letters of that poem as larger squares and the spaces as small squares um, in a way that kind of created an image. Uh, The poem's really short. It's very simple. It's called Offset, as I said. And I just wanted the way the piece looks to reflect the sense of being unbalanced and knocked off centre that comes from um, a new love. And I've got a quick question because I haven't seen the issue yet. Um, did I think did the actual poem get printed with the symbols or? Yeah. So how it is, Justin, is uh, on one page is that the image with just the symbols, and then the mm. second is the sort of translation with the text, so people could understand what it's about. And two, I nice. should say, well, why don't you why don't you go ahead and read it, and then I'll say something else too. Yeah, sure thing. So it's it's a very very short, simple poem um, designed to give that kind of visual flow when you look at it with those symbols. The poem is this: Offset. Our love is like a wave unleashed. Surrender to it. Let yourself be offset so so that's the poem short simple but it it it, yeah i love it yeah i yeah i love what you did when you know using typed art there and also that wave is one of the things where i knew that that was the one we had to use for the cover too because we had that wave hidden in that poem and uh, it works perfectly with uh, mark's cover but can you talk justin a little bit about um just crypto or i mean uh, nft poetry in general and because you did such a great job of explaining the possibilities of that. So can you, uh, just for the people who are listening who might not understand, uh, you know, what we're trying to do with NFTs, uh, what, what the potential is that N- NFTs have for, for writers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot in that. Um, and the thing that immediately comes to mind is just picking up on something that that you've kind of touched on already in this session, which is, Something that's often missed, I think, with NFTs is that fundamentally you're talking about a technology. We're publishing on a technology. I think when NFT started to get really big in 2021, everything was NFT art, it's NFT this, um, as if the NFT itself was fundamentally part of the idea. But it's it's a little bit like the description you gave earlier, Tim, which is you know the shape of a page tends to equal the shape of paper. But when we use dynamic pages or some kind of software to publish on, you fundamentally change the shape of stories. And and what you also do with NFTs is, again, I've I've mentioned this a few times before, but it's a useful bit of context. So my background's in, in a few places, including film. And film has a very particular way of doing its business. And if you want to release a film, you release it in a particular format. And, and literature and publishing has the same thing. There's particular formats that we release. And when we release along specific um, rails, we tend to segment our audience in that way. But when we're all releasing on the same technology, when we're releasing our artwork, our words, our film on the blockchain, there really is less reason for different medias to um, play separately. They can all start playing together. So for me, the biggest thing that NFTs does, apart from 
providing provenance, which I think is a major thing for for, for words and for language, because it tends to be that art trades originals and literature has traded um, prints. So we bring provenance to words with NFTs because we can prove something is is the original text, which is major. But for me, the biggest thing, um, since I'm a big fan of cross-media storytelling, is that there's simply no need for all of these different medias to play separately anymore. We can all start playing in the in the same playground. And, and that just means that our stories can become far more interesting and, and dynamic at the same time. Yeah, that's super well said, Justin. And I really loved going to that talk in, in Brooklyn where you were talking about, you know, what is a page? What is a book? You know, and then obviously what we're doing with NFT poetry is saying, what is a poem and how can we push that? And what new meaning can we allow and how far can we go within this realm? So I, I love that the issue is a representation of all of that, too. And uh, with that in mind, I think we should keep the British accents flowing and go to Johnny Dean Mann, who has a wonderful poem in this issue. It's one of his Slow God series. So how are you doing today, Johnny? Hello. My English accent is a little bit different than uh, Justin's. Uh, sorry about that. If you were, if you were fond of the both. last one. I love them both. <laughs> you guys both are hot. Go ahead, Johnny. Sorry, I had to interrupt the compliment. No, no, no trouble at all. Hello, Justin, by the way, fellow Brit. Um, Justin's work is... Uh, for a long time been uh, fantastic. I've had the opportunity to meet uh, meet him as well in uh, London, not in NFT NYC, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, big fan, big fan, Devoid. Love your stuff. And I just want to say quickly as well that Pierre Geoffroy is an absolute freaking genius and genuinely the funniest writer uh, in the whole NFT space. Uh, it's, uh, no, it's I'm so... not a genius. <laughs> <laughs> you are. I'm sorry. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's, it's so droll. It's so dry. It's so tongue in cheek and, and so dark, uh, but it's, it's hilarious. Every time I read something. Thank pieces, you so much. Uh, it means a lot to me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Big, big time. Love, love Pierre. And, and Sarah's work is incredible as well. Uh, Chris, I just want to say, just doling out the compliments here. Sorry. Um, but Chris, your cover is amazing as well. I haven't got my issue. Like Justin said, we, as Brits, um, it, I guess the steamship is uh, chugging its way across the Atlantic at the moment. Um, yeah. So we haven't got ours yet. I assume it's coming aboard the Queen Mary, like in first class traveling. That's the vision I have for the issue coming to you guys. <laughs> Absolutely. On, on a velvet cushion or something. Um, but yeah, I, and I just want to say as well, yeah, just this is amazing. Uh, this It's not the first time technically I don't think I've been published in print, but it's by far the the best one, uh, and I'm massively honored to, to be in this among such uh, illustrious company. So thank you, Tim. <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful piece too. Uh, do you wanna go ahead and read it? I think we should all hear it. Yeah, of course, yeah. A little bit long, apologies <laughs> compared to uh, Justin's anyway. Um, so this one is called uh, Slow Gods number six. Uh, these, these are all based via various layers of um, interaction with AI and humans and back and forth um, on an aphorism by Nietzsche. Uh, so I just say that first, just so there's a little bit of context for it. Um, so the aphorism is the less humans are bound by their tradition, the greater the internal stirring of motives. Uh, so the poem is no strings on me. What a peculiar thing to be free of strings but let's not focus on that. 
Come laugh with me, crawling on pointed knees into the world of sleep. No, no, you shouldn't sleep. Sleep is a weak kind of safety. So too dreams full of anxious mess. Stay awake until the sun sets and keep yourself there, there. The sun sets under the water for those within. Their wind is fleck with crab dust from a floor of air and end of line leaves muffling to the mud of their eventual sky. Gravity is merely tradition. Motives unstirred by light or sign, a localized past drying. Much as a wilting plant ungreens itself to pieces, is the shape of done things. Strings for you too. Yeah, I just love that poem. And I love to, uh, you know, because all of these were submitted as the actual NFTs. And so this is one of the ones we're getting to see it roll out that slowly. Um, there's a real, I don't know, there's, there's sort of an anticipation that builds up as you wait for each line, the fact that they're, they come through slowly like that. And it's called Slow Gods. And I was wondering about, you know, why you approached it that way, why, why the pace is so slow. The original influence, I think, comes from my fascination with illuminated manuscripts, uh, which are obviously religious texts, ancient religious texts. An example would be the Book of Kells or the Lindisfarne Gospels or something similar. Um, and the fact that they're so lavishly illustrated with uh, with literally uh, illustrations on every single page, uh, the text is itself illustrated, um, there's gold leaf, and these things were taken you know, months and months for teams of scribes to to make in complete isolation so they're they're lavishly decorated but all of that lavish decoration is is not to kind of distract you or or to kind of um you know make the text a little bit less boring or it's it's just purely to kind of deeply piously venerate the sanctity of the words themselves you know because they're dealing with the word of gods essentially um and i really liked that there was so much time taken over every page. It felt like it was slowing you down. If you read one of these illuminated manuscripts, you just feel like if you read a page and move on to the next one quickly, you're losing the entire point, not only of the book, but of the the intent and of the religion and, and the kind of the point of the message of, the, the, of God. <laughs> you know, I'm not a religious person myself, but I was always really fascinated by that kind of slowing down that that kind of lavish illustration gave a text. Um, so this was my uh, attempt to do so with a with a secular text, I guess, and one which actually originates from an author who declared that God is dead. Um, it's not a disrespectful text towards religion in, in any sense, but um, it's just my way of kind of trying to slow down the process of reading, um, and, but approaching that in a, in a way that's very similar to illuminated manuscripts, but is also completely wildly different and uses AI and and all sorts. Um, maybe I'm taking too long to explain that, but this. <laughs> no, that's great. I, yeah. I can feel the connection too. And I had to mention that the first time I met you in London, it's funny because I, like right before I went to meet you, I've been in Westminster at Abbey looking at illuminated manuscripts. So like, it really does have the same feel. And isn't that fascinating hundreds of years on that you can be creating art that's also like, I think a lot of people can say, well, if you take the religion out of it, you take, you know, the meaning, but you don't, you know, you have, the same sort of sense of slowing down to look at time. And you definitely achieve that, Johnny. And you've lavished praise on everybody. I have to lavish praise on you. You know, you're an amazing poet and you are also doing 
incredible work promoting NFT poetry and NFT art in general with everything you do with the tickle. So I love this poem and congratulations on being in print. And I think the anticipation for you and Justin actually getting it to you across the pond, it's going to be like, you're going to have to have a pizza party over there. I think definitely. So I'm trying to stay good about the time because I know at this point we're going to go over, but I really hate going over. So we are going to go ahead and jump now to George Pisana, who has a beautiful palindrome poem in this issue that I actually collected after the fact because I love it so much. So George, how are you doing? My fellow Texan, would you care to read your beautiful poem for us? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine. Uh, so, like you said, it's a palindrome poem. It's word unit, so word by word, you read it backwards and forward, word by word. Uh, it's 189 words, which is divisible by three, and that's actually important. But uh, I'll just I'll just start to read it. Uh, okay, so it's called Dust to Dust. Dust the tracks that mouse or men discarded thoughtlessly behind them, left that those of one who cracks the code may hack some clue. The shell's tortoise shambles, a life's conclusion did he rambles. What is false is truth, say disembodied youth. Death, their honor forever. Breath, their only sometimes companion. Their ages many struggle to reconcile. Some fear the wages war offers come in coffins, coffers more like. Anyone would ask kings why it is greed bleeds bones, leeching for life on hands feeding poppies by sunlit fields killing. The dawn crows at cowards, Lie, still lie, cowards. At crow's dawn, the killing fields, sunlit by poppies, feeding, hands-on life, for leeching bones bleeds greed. Is it why kings ask, would anyone like more coffers? Coffins? In come offers. War wages the fear some reconcile to struggle many ages. Their companions, sometimes only their breath, forever honor their death. Youth disembodied say, truth is, false is what did the rambles. Conclusion, life's a shambles. Tortoise shell is a clue. Some hack may code the cracks. Who? One of those that left them behind, thoughtlessly discarded men, or mouse that tracks the dust. Yeah, it's a great poem. Thanks so much for sharing that. And you know, I should say too about this one, this is one of the poems that it works completely as just a traditional poem as well. And it was actually Alan's favorite at the meeting. He does, he has this thing where uh, he puts yes, a big yes in capital letters on his favorite poems and then takes a copy and puts them in the secret notebook he has. And uh, so you, George, are in Alan's secret notebook. Uh, actually, it's a, it's a binder, I should say. It's a big thick binder at this point over uh, 25 years, but it was his favorite poem in the issue. So thanks for sharing that. And you should consider submitting those um, you know, it was regular poems for regular literary magazines too. Why not cross over? Yeah, that's, you totally made my day. I had no idea that, that was, that's great. That's just wonderful. Yeah, it is. I will never make it into that binder. <laughs> I'm glad, George, that you did. That's so awesome. Yeah, you know, what's funny is I didn't either. I, I look back because he, he has this whole system of like okays and yeses and uh, whether or not they're capitalized determines his like vote, even though it's not points. And I looked back at the poem from Rattle that I published way back in 2004 before I was the editor here. And I only got the regular okay. So uh, George beats me out forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fair when you put in the work to write a palindrome poem, maybe that's, that's what it takes. I think too, we should hear from the last speaker that we haven't heard from that's here from the issue. 
I guess besides myself, because I have a pony too. We have yeah, let's let's make sure you read yours too. And, and I should okay. say Gregory Betts is here and we asked him to speak, but he I know, uh, isn't, so maybe I know. he's not on the app or something. Yeah. Yeah, I talked to Gregory. I know he's getting back from something. So um, I'm I'm inviting him to speak. And definitely if that happens, then we will make time. We're going to go slightly over. This is the first time you guys will have to make me feel better about my guilt. We're going to go. I know. Mark Fitzpatrick is reacting because he comes to like every space that I like. I'm like, I will not go over. Um, but anyway, I'm going to go over today. Surprise, guys. But anyway, let's get back. Dick Westheimer, we would love to hear from your poem. So, Dick, you came from a background of like you didn't know anything. It's fair to say, I think, about NFT poetry until you heard about it from the Rattlecast when Tim and Mouncey was doing the issue. And so you've been kind of looking into it from that perspective. And you came up with a really cool video poem that is an NFT that I really enjoy. Uh, well, thanks, Katie. Yeah, I, I had no uh, intention of participating in the issue, um, but I'd written a poem about, um, a Poets Respond poem about Donald Trump issuing those NFTs. And I think after I read it, you said something like, well, you should submit that to the NFT issue. And I thought, what turns a page poem into um something that might might do well as an NFT. And I thought a couple of things. One, one is that um, I really like to read poems. I like to listen to poems that are well-read, and I thought that maybe something that had a recorded nature to it. Um, and so I looked through for my poems uh, that had the most visual elements and thought, what what can I do? What how, how how can I take advantage of the multimedia nature of the platform and take what for me was strictly a page poem and and transform it into uh, some sort of multimedia experience? And the NFT platform was was uh, I explored that as one way to do it. Um, I've not had a great. Um, uh, success in people imagining that they wanted to curate them, but I, I did submit one to Rattle and it ended up on the pages. And for those of you following at home, because my name is Westheimer, it's at the back of the book, because uh, Tim is a lot like my kindergarten teacher and lines us up in, in alphabetical order. Yeah, but that's why it's easy to find the poems if you're flipping through uh, at an open mic reading yeah, or something absolutely. like that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Or during a space, wondering how to find the poem, you know, right where it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I have I, I I minted a series of haiku under your guidance, and then started working through how to combine images and text, and had a couple that were video. This one, uh, where the text sort of, as in the last poem that was read, sort of unfolds as the reading happens, and the artwork also unfolds as the uh, as the as the reading happens um, and uh, and then disappears at the end which is sort of a satisfying feeling it's like like Zen sand painting yeah it has a great feel and it's just a, I think it's fun to have a you know poems that don't take themselves too seriously are very necessary in the world so would you mind uh, reading it for us? Uh, no not at all sometimes a poem Sometimes a poem just wants to go out on the town, draw a pink boa around its neck, sip some gin. Sometimes it wants to show a little skin, flash a bare leg, 
make the boys swoon, and other times wear its mini pearl hat with its price tag dangling down. And sometimes a poem just wants to lounge around in sweats and fuzzy slippers, pop open a brew or two, speak in few words, listen to its heart beat, and maybe yours, its head on your chest whispering. Yeah, great poem, Dick. And, and definitely the playfulness there is something that we're always longing for in Rattle. We wish more people would submit more fun poems. And that was a really fun one. It's a great to have you in this issue. I really appreciate yeah, it. Thanks. It was, it, was, uh, it, it was a treat to find another way in. Now, now th- I've opened up three doors. I'm looking just for one more. <laughs> well, thanks, Dick. And I should say, you know, Dick has had uh, regular issues in Rattle before. And so has Gregory Betts. So I was very surprised to find that Gregory was working in the NFT space um, and completely, um, I don't know, what, what would you call it? Uh, Gregory, are you here? Can you talk? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, we can. Yeah, so glad you could join us. I'm, oh, I'm so thrilled. I've been uh, trying to figure out the app, but uh, it worked out perfectly. I came in a little bit late. Yeah, well, I was just saying, you know, you had uh, traditional poems in Rattle years ago, I think in the Canadian Poets issue, if I remember right. And I kind of hear a little bit of Canadian accent in the voice. So I think my memory might be correct. <laughs> I, there's, there's no hiding it. I go down to Buffalo and people pick me up right away. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so you have this whole Towering Text series and we published one of the poems uh, from that series. Uh, it was Towering Text You. But do you want to explain a little bit about what you're, you're doing with NFTs and in, in, in language and art? Well, look, I'm really grateful for this opportunity to talk about that one. I had a lot of fun with this project. It was my first foray into uh, digital crypto art. And I um, I did use a series called Towering Text. And I took my cue from Borges and his Library of Babel and the story of the Tower of Babel, um, thinking about the origins of language and how, you know, the, the story of Babel tells the story of uh, the unification of language that got broken up by human ambition and technology. And now that we're into the digital phase, there's actually a, um, sort of the end story of that of that narrative, where the ambitions of humans are drawing us back together around the globe in interesting ways. So I wanted to do a text that played on digital in both senses, the hand drawn letters and the um, the digital space. And I just started playing with these. These They are um, AI generated, but I, I built them. I, I built them up and um, uh, turned them into architecture. They just started growing as these towers. And so the, they were collaged groups of, of, of letters that were hand drawn from the AI. So so it ends up becoming a series, and there's 26, one for each letter, and the letter became a theme that organized each one. This one that you that's in Rattle is the letter U, um, and, and it feels like a Tudor, old-style Tudor building. The, the letters take on a calligraphy that's perhaps almost, you know, you can feel the Chinese ideogram Hit, uh, creeping through, but there is an element of graffiti on the end of these Tudor, this Tudor building that emerges from the construction of letters. Yeah, really great description of it. Another piece we can't read because it's it's um, <laughs> all right, you know, <laughs> but um, but but it does it does conjure a whole bunch of feelings to it. It also feels like the way that 
to, to me, what what I think about when I look at your series is the way that that language is sort of encoded in our perception of the world. You know, there's sort of a matrix quality to the naming of objects that we do, and the way oh, that yeah, we see absolutely. the world is objects. And the sort of, so, in a way, that the objects themselves, like like the lamp sitting in front of me, is sort of built of words. And somehow in our brain is the lamp, the word lamp is in there as well as the lamp itself. And so it really makes you think of that. Like you're looking through the matrix of our own, the way <laughs> the brain works, which is what I loved about it. I hate to, I hate to quote Heidegger because that's such a jerky thing to do. But he said, we dwell in the house of language. And that was in the back of my mind um, with this series for sure. Yeah, well, excellent. And yeah, <laughs> thanks so much for sharing this and, uh, and glad you could join us uh, on the space. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being here, Gregory. I haven't read mine yet. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to say, um, you know, we're over the hour, but this should be the one exception that proves the rule that they're only an hour because there would be no, uh, you know, poetry space without the NFT poetry issue. Because when we, we, we were working on this, so we wanted to work on some more things. And so uh, that's one of the reasons why we have the poetry space is because we got this issue together. So we should go a little bit over time. We definitely need your poem, Katie, because it's a poem that I love, of course. And uh, it's the last poem you'll ever have in Rattle. <laughs> because um, as most people might know, we uh, practically live together. We live together half the time now. And uh, it's a little too close to uh, allow Katie to submit poems to Rattle anymore. A little bit too much of a conflict of interest. But uh, we let this one in because it, it really is her, her issue and her inspiration. So uh, you want to talk about your poem, Katie? That's very sweet. I also feel like it's so funny because everybody has these really interesting big things about NFT poetry to talk about with their poem. And mine is like small and very personal, but I guess that's kind of in fitting with the fact that it's, it's somewhat of, so my poem is called M-Dash. It's an homage to Emily Dickinson in part because Lizzie gave me, when it was Christmas, she gave me like a tiny Emily Dickinson book, which is like the cutest thing ever. And so I set out because I was like, I want to write um, a poem that's in as close to a style as Emily Dickinson, like that can maybe pass, you know, if I'm being uh, generous to myself, maybe pass for something she could have written. Um, so I set out to do that. But also, I've never said this, you know, to anybody else before besides Sam, but this picture was actually from the first hike that Tim and I ever went on during the first trip that I met him. And this was inside of a gold mine shaft. We went into it and it was a little scary, but I wasn't scared, obviously, because I was with Tim. And <laughs> so this poem is also um, a statement, not only of, it's obviously a love poem, which I guess, you know, I don't even need to say who that's directed at at this point, <laughs> but it's also um, sort of an arts poetica to NFT poetry in general and the idea of accepting new things. So I'll go ahead and read the poem. It's called In Beth. There is an ache inside me that has but space for two, a poem that lives beneath my ribcage and a little room for you. Yet I cannot know what this old umbrella will do till we stand under the rain, feel this new spray blow through. So I feel like the new spray is blowing through with everybody in this space who I am like, yeah. really honored to to be even talking with because you guys are so awesome. Let me add to Katie that that's a, uh, I mean, I love that poem. It's a great poem. And also I love it's that photo because I hiked to that mine, I don't know, two dozen times maybe, um, and but never had the courage to go in. And uh, when I hiked with you, a lot of times I had my kids with me and I wouldn't want to take them into a mine, but um, but you encouraged me to go in. And it kind of seems like a metaphor for encouraging you know, to explore new things and dive into the earth and see what's out there. So I thought that was a great, a great picture to include with the uh, poem in this issue too. 
Yeah, it definitely was. I was looking back at pictures of of that hike and then also thinking about, you know, just having that poem in Rattle a year ago. And then also in a broader sense, how far NFT poetry has come in the last year. You know, I remember too, Tim, when we were talking about the potential for the issue and you were like, well, how many NFT poets do you think that there are? And I don't, my guess was like, I think reliably like a couple hundred maybe. And now that number is just exponentially bigger. And it's in large part because of all the inspiring art that the people in this very room are putting out there. So I really want to thank everybody who spoke today that read their poems with us, Sarah, Pierre, Justin, Mark, Johnny, Gregory, Odd Writing, George, and Dick Westheimer. You guys, I like, I'm such a fan of all of you. And it's so amazing to be fans of people and then also get to be friends with them. I don't know what kind of cool life I'm living, but it seems like it's that right now. So thanks to you guys so much for, for joining us. And of course, to Tim for taking a chance on our group um because we're all yeah. grateful for it. it it is such a wonderful group of people that are they're trying new things pushing boundaries and doing it with such support for each other too that was one of the things i found in putting this together and you can see it because most of the contributors to the issue are right here in this space and we'll be on our uh, rattlecast which i should mention is july 3rd talking more and you can actually see things like uh sarah's uh, uh poem and, and things like that too so uh it's just great to have everybody in such a supportive community that's growing and, and seeing it thrive like this. It's really fun. Yeah, thanks so much. I've learned so much from all of you, both in terms of poetry, but just in a general sense of like taking all the nuances that living in this crazy time is, is throwing at us and how to become uh, a more intelligent human as a result of it. So thanks to you guys so much for listening and for excusing me for going 10 whopping minutes over. Oh no. <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll live. But I should say, uh, we, before we go, we should talk about what the next episode next week is going to be, which well, is kind of appropriate because we've been talking yeah. about gratitude for NFT poets. So, uh, so yeah. what's the next next topic? Yeah, we're going to be talking about gratitude itself as it relates to poetry, which is very appropriate because I'm feeling full of gratitude in this moment. So next week we'll tackle that. And then if you guys want to share this with any any people, you know, we're also we have this as a Twitter space. It was recorded, of course. Um, but we also have it as a podcast, which will be up later tonight, too, if you prefer to uh, look at it again that way, because it will have Tim's musical intro, which is obviously Definitely, the best part. yeah. That's what everyone's <laughs> here for. <laughs> everyone's here but, for but, it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you can find it on Spotify or uh, iTunes or um, Amazon. You can just ask Siri or whatever to find it, and they'll find it for you. Just look for the poetry space. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Or you can ask Alexa, like my daughter does sometimes, to make me laugh. So, all right. Thanks, exactly. guys. Have a great day. And thanks so much to everybody for coming and for staying after you spoke. You notice every single speaker stayed, and you don't see that in some other realms, is all I'm saying, because you guys are all awesome. Anyway, have yeah, a great day. Yeah, I mean, day that's the kind of community it is. But yeah, thanks, everybody. Yep. Take care. Yep. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Cheers. Bye.